Guys, welcome back yet again to the Built for Life podcast. Absolutely buzzing to be here every single week delivering you some form of potential insight and help. This week's episode, um, we thought long and hard about. We were racking our brains and we were thinking, what do the people need? And we do feel like we've potentially been quite savage the last few weeks. Um, We are straight talking, but we're also very compassionate as well. And we always want what's best for you. But we also know that some people need a little bit of a rocket up the arse at times. Um, Compassion, a lot of the time, is making sure you do what the fuck you said you were going to do. But this week, we're going to take it a little bit off topic. And we're probably going to have a a bit of a laugh. (laughs) So we're actually going to discuss some red flags when it comes to picking personal trainers or online coaches and how you can find the best one for you. And obviously, you've all heard, if you've been listening since the beginning, Jen's stories about the fucking bean, eh, the bean bags, the bin bags, the, <laughs> the the five, what, the five peanuts and all that that you were allowed to eat, the almonds. The almonds. Um, so we are going to fire into some red flags because I have seen fucking hundreds of these across the course of the past close to 10 years now. And some of me to this day still sicken me because it's not even when I was coaching on the gym floor that I seen these, like I still see it to this day. So, Jen, I know you've shared a lot already. Is there anything that comes to mind outside of what you've already discussed that you would perceive as a red flag? How long have we got? An hour? Fucking as long as we need. (laughs) Be prepared to strap yourselves in. Um, If you're a coach or a personal trainer who is easily triggered, you should probably stop stop listening now. Oh my god, the shit, the the fucking barefaced lies that I have been told in my time. Um, I think the the one the the, the number one or the first red the I probably couldn't even fucking prioritize them. The first red flag that comes to mind for me is coaches who only tell you what to do. Right, there is absolutely no conversation about what's working for you, what's not working for you, what are the parts of your life or who you are as a person or past experiences or what's important to you. So many fucking cowboys who wrote me fucking training and nutrition plans in the back of a fag packet, like, and at no point consulted me or my needs or my wants in the process um, there was one particular cowboy that I worked with. So the guy that told me to wear the bin bag, this isn't him. Um, I worked with this one particular cowboy who was really into the whole clean eating thing. So everyone had to be clean, clean. What does that even mean? Like, do I need to run my chicken under the tap? My fucking fairy liquid. Like, what, what even is that, right? So he was really reinforcing the clean eating, clean eating. And he would make like really huge promises to me that he couldn't keep. So it was very much like this will be the thing that changes you forever. This will be the thing that saves you. You could lose a stone in a fortnight if you stuck to this. It was almost like he knew the kind of things that would have appealed to someone like me who he knew was in a lot of pain, a yo-yo dieter who believed every f- fucking lie that was ever sold to me. So... I can remember like him being really into the, the clean eating thing. So you weren't allowed to eat. Like, straight <laughs> I'm so I'm triggering myself thinking about this. It, it used to like ban certain sauces from you. So like 
you were allowed sweet chili, but you weren't allowed mayo. And I was like, but can I just have like lighter than light mayo because it's the same calories as fucking sweet chili? And he was like, nope, something to do with the eggs or some shit. You can't have the eggs and the oil. You can't have that's not clean. But sweet chili's clean. Like make it make sense. Just the whole like reinforcing further restriction and limitation of myself that didn't need to be there. And then the funniest part of all of this. <laughs> it used to make you send them photos of your meals, right? So I wasn't allowed to eat after five o'clock. That was a given rule, right? We weren't allowed to eat after five o'clock. I'd to eat porridge with water and six almonds in the morning and had to chew the almonds like 20 times. Like how grim porridge, water and six almonds, right? You can imagine me, 18 stone, sick of my shit, like up in the morning before I go to work, shoveling this into my mouth, wanting to cry, right? So you make me eat that. And then I had to eat like salmon, couscous, and green veg, salmon, couscous, and spinach, chicken, couscous, and asparagus, right? Why 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 couscous was like the carb of choice? I have no fucking idea. But he would give me like weights for foods, and then you had to send him a picture of it. And then when you sent him a picture of it, he would go, That's too much, reduce it. And then I would be like, but that's the weight that you told me that I was to have. That's the cooked weight. And he was like, it looks like too much, just half it. So I was in 40 grams of cooked couscous. 40 grams, it was about three bits, right? Fucking half a chicken breast, spinach, and then a protein shake. I was literally starving, right? Then I would go for like face-to-face PT. It was fucking like sexually harassing my pal. Like used to make us, used to make us pick him up and drop him off, right? At his house before and after a PT session. A, the, a sea of red flags, right? An absolute sea of red flags. He would text her after we left the gym being like, you look good today, right? Absolute fucking pervert. Um, the only pictures he was sending me was fucking cut down the portions, fatty, right? There wasn't, <laughs> was he trying to get fired into me? And then would put us through like a really, really strenuous, like intense workout. And I had maybe I was maybe running in 800 calories for the full day if I was lucky, right? But would just go through this whole process of even if I was struggling or I was finding it challenging, you just need to do it. You just need to get your head down and do the work. Like if you're not you're not achieving results, you just don't want it enough. Like you should be doing this, like you can't do that do what I'm telling you, like just drill sergeant bullshit and absolutely at no point did he ask me what I wanted, what's important to you, what is the kind of foods that you like, what's your current behaviours, habits, routines around food, training, all of those kinds of things. It was, here is my plan, I'm the expert, right, until you send me a photo and then I'm going to tell you that it's wrong, (laughs) right, but that whole like, I'm the expert, you know nothing. I know everything. So just do what you're told. Oh, I breathe. I know. I know. I need. I need to breathe. I need to breathe after that. That is. Um, it's actually very worrying that people are out there practicing that, like the amount of damage that they're going to be doing. And the thing is, like, it's all well and good saying you now need to just do the work once you have a shit ton of information, a shit ton of awareness, a shit ton of knowledge around what the issues are. And when you've coached someone to the point where it's like, I can give you nothing else for this and you have to now implement to change this, that's when it's okay to say, you just have to do the work, you just have to implement. 
But these folk don't have the fucking awareness or the insight or the skills or the humanity to be able to get to that point. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, quite a few things. Top ones that come to mind are personal trainers that video you when you're in the gym doing a training session with you. Now, this is made 10 times worse because the majority of the time, the personal trainers recording you actually aren't watching what you're doing. They're not coming down to eye level. Like when we used to work together, I was on the fucking floor. I was on my knees. I was looking at where... I remember. <laughs> I, I, I would be everywhere that I needed to be to make sure that you were carrying this out properly. I'd be behind you. I'd be in front of you. I'd be bes- like beside you. I would be everywhere. And the only time I would ever pick up my phone is if I was including you and showing you something. You know, like if I had like a resource on my phone or if we were fucking having a laugh about something and we couldn't remember the name of a fucking actor, we would... Yeah, you'd always be showing me memes. <laughs> and memes, hi. So it's that way we're like, that's okay if you're racing in between sets. But if you are videoing your client and not making sure they're doing the exercise right and making sure they're doing it safely, likewise, at the same time, almost portraying this as a form of marketing to the public when you've not rectified the simple forms that people need to be able to stabilize and work through when they're training is highly dangerous and also very counterproductive to your business long-term because someone will get injured at some point. People will not make progress. Like the amount of coaches I see videoing their clients and it's just horrendous form. Plus they get their clients to do none of the shit that they actually do to build muscle or lose fat. That's the worst one. That is the fucking worst one. And I don't know why people buy into this shit. Like if I worked with a personal trainer and I was like, I want to build muscle and they started doing like these fucking combined movements with me. I remember I was in London last year and I went to F45. Now, if you like F45, fucking fair dues to you. But I can't remember what it was that they were making me do. I think it was like a sumo deadlift into a bicep curl. Why? (laughs) Sumo deadlift into a bicep curl. So I was like, the sumo deadlift wasn't challenging. The bicep curl was... But if I needed to make the sumo deadlift more challenging, the bicep curl wouldn't have worked because it'd be too heavy. It was just very fucking fried. If I wanted to achieve something that my personal trainer had, like muscle, fat loss, blah, 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 and I'd never seen them do that exercise before, I would be like, why are you making me do this? (laughs) But people believe because there's a level of authority there that it's the right thing to do. But you also have to understand you're still your own person with your own thought process. And if a personal trainer asks to video you and you're not comfortable with it and you're unsure whether or not you're doing something correctly, tell them not to. It is one of the worst things that I see. And it's something that really fucking oh, rings me up. It boils my blood as well because there's a, there's an additional layer to this that really irritates me. Like obviously when I first met you in the gym floor, I had to say to you explicitly, like for my own safety, mm-hmm. I can't be filmed because at that point in time, my abuser was known for kind of showing up like randomly or it hadn't happened for a while by that point, but it had happened before. So I was living with this constant perpetual fear that he's going to find out where I live. Like I had to live in secrecy. I had no social media. I didn't fucking post anywhere that I went because I was living in this constant fear of he's going to find me. So something that seems simple and innocent to a personal trainer, like filming a client and tagging them and putting them on Instagram, like even not tagging them, like you filming that and somebody seeing that and then knowing what location you are, like you don't know what that person's coming with. Like that can put them in such severe danger. And the thing is, is that like, 
had you had you not known and ever done that, I would have said, see, like, you can't do that. Like, but you would never have done that anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it was one of those things where I knew, I had to say to you for my own sanity and safety, but you said to me immediately, I would never do that anyway, because this is your personal training session. I'm not going to be in my Instagram. But like, even something that seems so innocent to like some a personal trainer trying to generate more clients which don't get me wrong like there is a place for mm-hmm. there absolutely is a place for it if it's done in the right way with the right intention but like you have no idea the danger that you could be putting someone in doing something like that that you think is dead innocent 100 and you know there's actually a lot of um there's probably a lot of ego in it as well mm. like how many clients i work with on a daily basis like you need to be with me because essentially I'm the fucking busiest PT and so on and so forth. Do you know what I think makes you the busy PT? Not being on Instagram as much because you're working with your fucking clients, right? Like people will actually know, our clients will know when I'm extremely busy because they'll maybe share stories on Instagram. We'll talk on Instagram about what they've done and I'll not come back to them for 24 hours because I'll be like, I was so fucking busy yesterday. So I've not opened up my Instagram. Like, I just... I know, I know. And I wonder, like, has anyone ever signed up with a PT because they've seen someone exercising with them? Like, has anyone ever seen a story of someone being trained by a PT and then decided that's the PT for me? Probably not. It's probably the, the stuff that they share about their own story, their own journey, how they help their clients, right? The results their clients get. Like, personally, have never watched an Instagram story of someone being trained and being like, oh my God, that's so different to what anybody else is doing. It just looks like, like, and that, that's not a, that's not shade to anybody else, but like you as a personal trainer training somebody in a gym looks the exact fucking same as everybody else yeah. <laughs> training somebody and being trained in a gym, that there's no different way to do it. So like, how is that setting you apart? It is ego, it is look how busy I am, but like there is nothing more frustrating than paying someone for their time and them being so fucking distracted in the time that you are paying them for. Mm. Like, there is nothing more irritating than a fucking PT stand with their coffee fucking gazing around the gym at every cunt else and flexing their muscles in the mirror while you're fucking dying your seventh death in the hack squat. <laughs> I was literally just about to say about the coffee thing. Like, <laughs> every, every commercial gym I've trained in, and I think most of them do these days, like, they all have TVs. You know, so when I used to be in at like 6 a.m., 7 a.m., so I used to have like a structure for my day. I was I was extremely busy, and that's why I wasn't on Instagram that much, because I would be in at 6 a.m. every single day, Monday to Friday. Um, I would have probably been in there Saturday as well at 6, but didn't open till 8. Um, and I would work basically back-to-back from 6 until 12. I would have like three or four hours off, then I would be back-to-back from like 4 till 8 or 4 till 9, literally pretty much Monday to Thursday. And then Friday, I would be the same in the morning, and then I would work longer early afternoon so that I could finish at like five, six o'clock. Um, and then Saturday morning, I would maybe do three hours max. But in that time, like when you go in first thing in the morning and then like say there was football on the night before, there's football highlights on BBC One at that time in the morning and you've got a personal trainer sitting drinking his coffee, watching the football as his client is absolutely killing themselves either on the hack squat, the leg press, dangerous bits of kit, by the way, as well, if you're not making sure that People are doing things properly. And also the other one as well, which really I just have never gotten or understood because it was my choice, for example, to work from like 6 a.m. till 12. And that's how I kind of got into the process of fasting when I was dieting as well. It actually became very easy. 
when I started that initially, like I would get that initial hunger around maybe nine, half past nine. But like the longer I spent doing that kind of shift, the longer it took me to get hungry. You know, mm-hmm. so like I wasn't maybe hungry until half past 11 before my last one finished. If you choose to do the hours that you do, it is not appropriate to eat next to your client. Oh, don't the fucking protein bars and the bananas. No, so, I mean full on meals. I have seen full Shut on meals, like chicken and rice. And for some coaches as well, it's, I'm on prep, so I need to get in. Not once when I was on prep did I ever fucking eat a meal standing next to a client. I wasn't like, oh, John, I'm going to go to the staff room and heat up my chicken and rice. Can you just can you just stay, stay here for a few minutes until I come back? And then stand and scoffing it next to them. Like, who wants to sit and smell food when they are training in the gym with their, with their personal trainer? absolutely ridiculous also even if you're an online coach like jumping on to a call with a client and you're sitting eating your fucking lunch like you would never even dream dream i don't think i have ever i mean there'll be times where i'm like i've chewed my last bite as i've fucking started the meeting right but never in a million years ever professionalism is just and that's something i learned very early it's like you portray yourself well professionally and you have to take responsibility for your goals, but you also have to take responsibility for your clients mm-hmm. and how you want to make them feel. And this this does, in a sense, kind of relate back as well to like a big problem these days, which is like gym anxiety with people. Mm-hmm. Like the reason why I used to get down to like your level when you were doing certain exercises, I would be like a specific distance away from you. I would only touch you in particular positions, so it wasn't it wasn't inappropriate. And the thing is, like there is some warrant when you are training people sometimes like to get into particular positions that you have to have like your thumbs on their glutes and stuff like that but i would always ask permission i would be like if we need to do this like can i can i please put my, my fingers here just now just to kind of talk you through this movement if you're trying to like teach up like a hip tilt or a sorry a hip hinge and so on and so forth like these are stuff that i've been taught by professionals like ask permission get down to eye level make someone feel heard like these are parts of being able to train optimally, but also to make the client feel safe and make them feel as if they can trust you regardless of what you're doing. And you never ever overstep that mark or overstep that boundary because it does start to deteriorate trust. And also you'll notice, you'll have maybe seen this, the people that the coaches get away with doing this stuff too are always the clients that never fucking progress or make any changes because they're just, they're too friendly. They're too, they're too pally together. And essentially because the personal trainer is cutting corners or the coach is cutting corners, it allows the individual to feel as if they're paying for something to make themselves feel better rather than actually doing the work. Yeah, it's pain to go through the motions. And the way I see it is like, as somebody who was so petrified to go into the gym, and I think, I don't know what it is about, like when I would come to you in New Age, for me in my mind, New Age was a scary gym to go to. I don't know if it was because of like the area, like seeing folk for school and I was big or... Like, I don't know what it was about that particular gym, because Northern Rag with that gym, it's a great gym. But in my mind, that was a scary gym to go to, right? Blanter gym, relatively safe, because nobody would really go. Whereas New Age, loads of people went, therefore scary. And I feel like when I first started working with you, I was petrified. I was hyper vigilant. I was hyper aware. I was scanning that room for faces every single time that I walked into it. But you almost created like a wee bubble where it was just me and you in that gym. And I feel like that's the bit that so many coaches and so many personal trainers miss is that they don't focus on how they create that wee bubble for them and the client 
so that no matter what else is going on around you in that gym, you're safe as long as you're with me. And that was always how I felt working with you, was that even when I felt just generally unsafe in my life, in my body, with other stuff going on in that environment, like, you created that wee bubble that it was like, calm down, hen, you'll be fine. Just hang about with me. But that all came down to your presence in the moment. And I feel like anyone, I mean, obviously you were my favourite, right? But I've not worked with all horrific personal trainers. Some of them were actually sound. But their soundness came down to the fact that if I was going in for the gym for a training session, even if they were with another client, they would always go, hiya, how you doing? The personal trainers who you don't work with in a one-to-one, but always say, how you doing? How you getting on? Do you need any help or see that exercise? Let me show you how to do that better. They didn't come up and go, you're not doing that right. It was very much, listen, I don't know if anybody's ever showed you this. Do you want me to show you how you can do that better? Because I'm always up for learning. It never, it would never upset or intimidate me. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> just people who were interested in helping people create that wee bubble for themselves. And their intention was not necessarily about how do I get more clients and how do I be the best personal trainer? They were in service to the clients, even when they weren't their fucking clients, they were in service to the people that were using the gym to make it a nice experience so that they could fall in love with training the same way that they had. Like the intention was so different. And like, I have unfortunately come across several cowboy PTs in my life. A lot of online coaches too, going in with completely the wrong intention of focusing on what their business gives to them and not the service that they have to give to other people. And it really, really winds me up um, significantly when I watch people take money off of people based on a promise that they cannot keep. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if I just get triggered by it from my own personal experience, but <laughs> when you're taking somebody through the discomfort of change, your number one priority is making them feel safe, heard, and understood. Yeah. Like, you can't do anything until that person feels those things. Like, there is no way that I would ever have come back to you into that environment had you not made me feel safe, heard, and understood, right? Even you were fucking scary until you weren't, until I realised you were just a big dafty, right? <laughs> but, like, everyone is going to be intimidating for someone who's going on that journey of change until they're not. And even if they relate to you really well on that initial call, you have to make sure that you can maintain that relatability and maintain that relationship and not just fucking switch off the minute the money's in your bank. Yeah. And, and, I, and I question sometimes the intention of some coaches who are so fixated on the scalability and freedom of online coaching and what it brings to them. And actually, what is it that you're doing in service to your clients and service to your people? Yeah. I, lo- I love that you brought that up, by the way, because obviously me, you and Rudy had a team meeting earlier on and we actually said that about coaches. Mm-hmm. We said that once the money hits your bank, like the trust building process does not finish. Like it's it's a, it's a, it's a never ending process. Like we've had some clients that have been with us 12 months until they finally, finally, sorry, found trust to open up to us about some of their biggest, darkest issues that have actually been holding them back and see if we had went in on them four months in, five months in, six months in, like, get a fucking grip. Like, you've not done anything you were supposed to, so on and so forth. Then essentially, they would have left thinking, oh, that person did not make me feel safe, heard, understood. I didn't really trust them. That's why I couldn't open up to them. And then that's just another failed attempt at trying to get in shape or trying to, like, improve your life. 
and overcome these things, then essentially they'd have a far greater fear yet again of these types of people. And regardless of whether or not someone tells us something, that is obviously having a very specific impact on the way in which they can adhere to the, the metrics we've put in place, we will still give them what they need based upon what they bring to us. So whether it's the problem or whether it's something maybe a bit more surface level than the problem, we will always try and guide them the best way based upon what they brought to us, but we will also try and dig that a little bit deeper. And I really do think that not a lot of coaches do that. Like we were talking on Monday, we actually are currently going through a process of just changing the program a wee bit. We've been running the program the same way since COVID and we understand that people are back, they're working, they've got more responsibilities and so on and so forth. But we do not want to take the support elements away, the communication, the community elements. We actually just want to make it better and more accessible for people who are busier now. And the feedback that we got from a lot of our clients, we are, especially, especially a few, we are amongst all the clients that you have in the program, you make us feel like it's just us when you're talking to us. Yeah. And that can't be replicated by people who have the wrong intentions and have the wrong, the wrong focus on why they're doing it. Like you and I are the, the least materialistic people I've ever met. We are the most boring people. <laughs> like aggressively boring. <laughs> we, we genuinely just do this because we want to help people and we want to help them because we know how it feels to be there. So many coaches I speak to on a regular basis want the status, they want the money, they want the recognition because, again, they're just ripping with sheer insecurity and sheer ego. And don't get me wrong, that dark energy can get you quite far. Like, I think we've both known that because we've both seen results in different forms of it in the past. It can definitely get you far. And anyone listening to this that's used, like, that fuck you vibe to kind of get you far enough, it can carry you and that's okay. Like, it's a good source to use. But also you have to realize that it is reaping havoc at some areas along the way. You can't see it because you're so stimulated and you're so focused just primarily on trying to get to the end goal. So much so that when you reflect and look back, when you get there, you're going to realize that there's a lot of pieces you have to pick up and you have to fix. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Gina actually said this to me, I think I've said it in the podcast before, but like the inner critic will only ever get you so far. Mm. And I think it's really, really important that people don't, sell to someone's inner critic this is this is another fucking major red flag for me is that people who only sell based on healing people's points of pain yeah people are coming to you with struggles and battles that you are not qualified to help them with and and i and i really have a you know i get a major bee in my bonnet when people do work with human beings and their minds that they're not qualified to do and a huge part of your the privilege of being a coach is that you get the opportunity to go into someone's mind with them and you get to be the person that helps them to discover more about themselves and what makes them happy and like even like you were saying like that feedback we got from the guys the other night like I honestly could have cried when they were saying like you make me feel like I'm the only client here because that's exactly why we do what we do like if we could sit with these same clients forever and this business remain the way that it is now forever we would be happy <laughs> like and I think that's the that's the real difference is that <clears throat> your fulfillment has to come from somewhere that has meaning and when your fulfillment comes from somewhere that has meaning and you really actually truly know as a coach where your values lie and the values basis that you are coaching from it's no longer about 
the shit that you think it's about. Like, it's the same way that we say to people that, like, fat loss happens when you get all the other metrics right. So fat loss comes as a byproduct of ticking the boxes in all of the other areas. I feel like with coaching, it's the same. Like, your money and freedom comes from making sure that you tick the boxes in all of the other areas. And the relationships that you create with your clients, like relationship management and a, and a client to coach or a client to consultant relationship is the first thing that you are taught. Like when I did consultancy, everything that we were taught, everything about developing people, organizations, teams, all started with the relationship because no work can be done without an established relationship. Mm-hmm. That's it. No, nothing can be built without that foundation. And it concerns me when I watch online coaches operate from a place of no intention to actually establish a relationship with their clients, no intention to give a fuck about them and remember their partner's names or what they do for a job. And don't get me wrong, we don't always get it right. Like sometimes I'll get people, people who are similar, I'll get their jobs mixed up or I'll forget they've went for a new job or like we, we all make mistakes sometimes but like the intention is there that I want to get to know them as a human being and because what's the point I, I, otherwise I'm fucking coaching you in thin air like I'm not actually coaching the person like it needs to be the person I'm coaching first before I'm coaching the result or the outcome and I think that the mistake that I watch so many coaches make is that they only coach the result they only coach the outcome and they don't take the time to actually understand the person because they're so obsessed with the with the process. No, you're you're so right, and that kind of makes me think about the twelve week challenge we're currently doing. And we've done so many challenges inside the community because we are so community driven, and there's so many coaching programs out there that would have took this to the public and marketed it and been like, "Oh, I'm running a transformation challenge. Like, I want to get so many new clients in, and this is the prize." But I'm going to give back to the people that are invested already in what we do and that we are heavily invested in because we know them. And the number one thing that we said going through this challenge, because we've got clients from so many different backgrounds, focusing on different things, like recovering from relationships with food, like poor relationships with food. And we painted the risks and we made everyone aware that this is not for everyone. And even through that process of people still trying to push it, we did pull people out of it. Because we were like, I am not going to put you through this because it's not the best thing for you. And as much as initially it would have been difficult for people, they then understood why we'd done it, you know? And as much as they want to be at this end goal now and they think that being lean or whatever it may be might bring them happiness, they're just going to be left in a, a far worse off position. And we do do a lot of work, obviously coaching work with our clients, but the amount that we just speak to our clients as humans daily as well as if you're texting your fucking pals, is probably what makes up the majority of what we do. And our our retention rate, like the clients that we keep for the, the time frame that we keep them for, is purely just down to the fact that we like our clients so much. And like I hope they want to stay, not because they feel like they need to stay, but they want to stay because they don't just like us, but they know that we always have their best interest at heart to continuously grow this program far past where it's ever been and give them consistently more when they need the most. And I think a lot of them do, because we do retain clients for like minimum of 12 months. Yes, there will be some people that come in and kind of get through the fishnet, so to speak, that seemed like they would be great fits for for our program. And then maybe a couple of months in, it's not the case. But as a rarity, it doesn't really happen that often. And most of our clients, 
live past the kind of 12 month mark. I mean, we've got clients that have been in here four years, three years, like multiple clients as well. And their feedback whenever we're making changes is like, it's astounding how often you guys are just trying to make this constantly better. Mm-hmm. And this is like, I'm a coach. I love working with people. Like, I don't really love marketing that much. I, I, mm-hmm. I actually don't. If people come to me because they see the work that we do, that's what's the most important thing. And that's all I'm ever really going to portray because that's the only way I've ever got clients, even on the gym floor. Like people would come in and be like, you're just so focused. You're not on your phone. You're just so, so in the moment with everyone that you're working with. Why does that have to change online? You know, and it's just now getting that message across, probably in a little bit more of a difficult way because people don't actually see you. But that's where a lot of coaches are lacking, I think. Like they use a lot of sales tactics without the actual coaching to back up. Yeah, there has to be substance beneath your sale. Like you can, you, it's so, aside from the fact that it's unethical, it's unfulfilling (laughs) for you. Like it it creates such a, a high level of emotional volatility if you sell something that you don't believe that you can deliver on. Yeah. And I think that like it's interesting because we've had a few clients recently who have said to you, How long did I sign up for? And you're like, you signed up for six months and they're like, What month is it? And you're like, it's month eight, nine, ten, and they're like, Oh shit, right, no bother. Like to the point where there's never any focus on initially there is that focus on I'm here for six months and I want to get in and get out because I did the same thing that was very much like I only want to be here for this time and then it gets so far in that you just accept that actually I'll be here for as long as it takes don't get me wrong there still has to be defined um, time frames and things that you're working towards and there you can't just always be endlessly working towards a goal and I think that's why we do do things like the transformation, we do community challenges, we do like performance goals and all of that kind of thing because you do need to have periods of time where you're just being and then you're pushing and you're sprinting towards something. Um, but like we have so many people who <laughs> they just they just forget how long they were initially meant to be here for because it no longer matters to them. And I think, I, I feel sad for coaches that don't have the community element. It's something that people ask me about quite a lot. Um, because I do kind of specialise in helping people with like culture and connection and all of that kind of thing. And people always ask me from a practical, tangible perspective, what's going to build my community? What's going to build my culture? And they'll do client events and they'll do live calls and they'll do all these things. And all of that stuff is great. Don't get me wrong. But like you can't create culture. Like the way that you do things is what creates the culture. So just firing like a a weekly Zoom and a quarterly client event will not build your culture. The way that you speak to your clients, the way that you interact, the way that you carry yourself, the way that you set yourself, you know, high standards, push for bigger goals, the way that they see you grow. Like we have so many clients now who have been here longer than me or, or the same amount of time as me who will text me and say, I'm so proud of you because they've watched my growth and evolution through my time here like I need to be doing that I can't stay still and then coach them to something that I'm that I'm not like capable of myself mm-hmm. do you know what I mean and it's not necessarily about the context that it adds but actually the belief that we're living by what we're, we're telling you works like we're living by these standards that that we are holding you to and we are going through it with you. And like I had such a powerful call with some of the girls the other week. Um, just all talking about 
how fucking miserable it can be to be in a calorie deficit sometimes, right? Because sometimes you do just need to bump your gums and moan about it and say, this is pissing me off and I, I don't care about it right now, right? And I feel like that's the space that we provide because I'm holding that space in because I get it because I'm there too. Do you know what I mean? Like we are them and they are us and, and I feel like that's what creates that relationship and that connection and don't get me wrong we don't get it right every time we don't we make mistakes like we don't always get it right and we're not like the best coaches in the world but I think that it's really important for you to consider as a person investing money and time and investing your results and your self-belief essentially into someone else that you do your due diligence and you know actually how how often is this person getting these results that they're telling you I'll get with them? Like, where's the evidence? What are their people saying about them away from what that coach is posting on Instagram? But who who else have I heard, you know, working with this person? Or what is their reputation? What are the things within their programme that will get me what I want to get? And see, the thing is, see if you're confident in your coaching process, You'll talk someone through that end to end without any money changing hands. Yeah. You'll tell someone in depth and detail, here is exactly what we do around here and here is how we do it, whether they're putting money in your bank or not. If you're having that scarce approach of, I'm not telling our coaches what I do and I'm not telling people what I do unless they come into the programme, ask yourself why. Yeah. No, I, I actually really agree with that because there's so many coaches I've spoke to that are very guarded in that way. And I would happily tell coaches what we do. And my response always is, because you're not going to be able to replicate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because you're not us. And like I said, and well, like you said, we're not the best coaches in the world, but we're, fu- we're fucking humans. Like yeah. we're humans, like we lead with being a human. Like we are not, like the way that a lot of coaches look at themselves as businessman, businesswoman, coach, human last. Like that is literally the process. Get someone's money, do a bit of coaching. And if I really need to be a human, say someone dies, I'll maybe give them a day off, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Instead, we lead with human, then coach, then it's businessman or woman after. Like, I am a coach and that's what I want to be. Like, I don't want to have this business that is ultimately so fucking big that I don't know the names of some of my clients. Mm. It's just not what I want. It's not going to be fulfilling. Like, it can grow to a particular point, but then we'll be at capacity. And we probably only have capacity for like another 15 people. You know what I mean? And at that point, great. And the thing is, like, if I wanted to then grow my business and we were offering, like, what we do now, because what we offer is extremely comprehensive, then I would put the price up slightly to disqualify the people that didn't want to pay it. And that's okay if they didn't want to pay it. But it would then mean that the people that want to pay it um, will. And it's the thing, that's the thing. It's like a lot of coaches charge based upon wanting to make the money. And a lot of people have actually told us that we're very cheap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or what we do based upon how much we have and we do have overheads we've got fucking five members of staff really three in the front end two in the back end plus myself you know like there's coaches out there that have no one working for them that are charging an absolute fortune and then under delivering massively and that's the thing like if you are invested in a coach you pay a large amount of money you'd better hope that you see them work as hard as they fucking can to give you what you want. Like, we're always on point with training updates. We're always on point with communication, check-ins. The amount of times, how many times has someone checked in literally 
maybe a couple of minutes ago, then we get back to them, they go, for fuck's sake, that was fast. <laughs> All the time. You know, we're so... Sitting it, refreshing, waiting. It's speed, but that's because we know our structure as well. It's like, we want the people who are checking in on time, we want to give them what they want, what they need straight away. Like, if you are checking in a little bit later, you do know that you're running the risk of maybe not getting as quick a response, you know, because this day is designated fully to you, so get it in. But then the people understand the risk. So if you do come back in a bit of a delayed time frame because you have other things to do, because there are other things to do than just send messages, then they'll go, oh, no, it's totally fine. I know I checked in late. Like, I wasn't expecting even a response now. It's actually quicker than I expected. And that's that, like, undersell over the lover. Absolutely. And there's something here for me as well, like, um, <laughs> because of the fucking, I've seen another red flag in the sea coaches that are so hell-bent in the process and not the person like and I feel like that that manifests so much in check-ins like I speak to a lot of coaches who will get so fucking annoyed when their clients aren't checking in and I'm like do they need to check in though like do you want to respond to do you want to give check-in feedback to somebody who says everything's going great I'm hitting everything on point I don't need your help thanks do you want to try and muster a response to that like I've seen so many coaches get volatile over clients that are all like green and winning and doing well. And the thing is, is that don't get me wrong, sometimes people will tell you what you want to hear. Like I've lied to you in check-in forms more times than I've had hot dinners. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like how many times have I said to you, yeah, everything's good, having a great week and you've voice noted when you've been like, are you sure everything's okay? And I'm like, <laughs> right? Like people, people don't always immediately want to talk about those things and it can be something as simple as, like, is there anything else going on in the background? How's work going? How's that situation happening that you were speaking about the other week? Like, what did you get up to the weekend? Have you and your partner been spending time recently? Like, just be questions about their life that can sometimes open up the floodgates of the conversation that we're like, right, okay, now we're getting to that to that bit. But a lot of coaches are so in the process that somebody's like green four weeks in a row, but then nothing else is really moving and they're not really doing their workouts, but they're telling you they're green. Like, ask the fucking question what's going on. And just because you've decided your process works for you doesn't mean that it works for them. Somebody comes to you and tells you they are so overwhelmed, they're stressed out their box, they have a high-pressure job, they've got three wins, they've got a fucking useless man, right? And then you're like, oh, by the way, can you do your check-in feedback um, on time every single week? And can you also make sure you log all your workouts? And um, can you send me over everything, everything that you've eaten this week? And how is your sleep been? And are you tracking this? Are you tracking that? Why are you adding more overwhelm onto that person's plate, right? Yeah. Adapt your process to make it work for the person. Because if you just try and fit someone into the box that you've decided works for you, here we go again with your focus on you and not your focus on the person. And don't get me wrong, like there are situations in which like you can't you can't be all things to all people and you can't accommodate everything in someone's life for them, right? There has to be an element of give and take where we recognise there are non-negotiables as part of this process that you do have to adhere to, but be up for going in the creative process with that person. Just because you're a coach doesn't mean you're the crypt keeper of answers and secrets. Like you don't need to have the solution to every problem that someone has. Just be willing to go into that place of curiosity with them to say, I'm not sure how to make this work for you and you're not sure how to make this work for you. So let's have a chat about how we find something that's going to work for both of us. And that means being more committed to the person than your own process. 
I'm sitting on the way here because like the amount of times I've heard this or seen this from coaches that I've worked with is absolutely fucking mental. Like we've got clients, we actually give clients options. So it's like, listen, if you're smashing it and you feel as if you don't need anything from us, we just need these statistics from you. Literally send them over, give us a little update with your energy, like your plan for the week, if you need to improve on anything. And obviously from those statistics, like they are the kind of non-negotiables. So like if things aren't moving, we're going to be like, right, okay, do you have to go on to some other form of accountability? So they will tell people, even for short periods of time, I want you to check in with these things every single day. Yeah. And then other people, once they kind of work through that daily accountability, will be like, right, I'm back to doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Thanks for like looking over and checking in on me this frequently. Now I'm going to go back to weekly. But then it's like, I would still maybe like an update halfway through the week. So can you update us halfway through the week? And then other people will fill in check-ins. Then other people will maybe just send us their tracking sheet and not the actual online check-in. Like there's there's different options because it is all about the person. And I've got coaches. I don't fucking check in. I am pretty much running two businesses. And at the same time, I am absolutely fucking swamped. What I want to do is train, eat, get my work done, go to sleep, repeat take the weekend off, chill out and do some fun shit, right? I do not want to have to spend that time I get back from working so much and just being so go, go, go on filling a fucking check-in. In. I don't... But, but you know that if you need it, it's there. And that's uh, that's the whole point. Yeah. Plus, I also know, probably not even the check-in being there, I know that if I need help, I can communicate what help I need effectively. That mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing. So, like, if there was an issue... This has never been an issue, but let's say weight loss was an issue. And I was like, I'm not losing weight on these calories. I want to know where the gap is because I know that I should be. So can you consider any gaps that I could be missing? There we go. It takes 10 seconds to send a voice note or a message like that. And then get the feedback from it. I know it's there, but most of the time they have to chase me. And it's not chasing me out of fear of like, oh my God. And that's the thing about good coaches as well. Good coaches don't chase you out of fear thinking, oh my God, they're not doing what they're supposed to be. They actually have trust that you are yeah. and let you've shown them otherwise that you wouldn't be. Yeah, yeah. You know? And it's so, it's so refreshing to work with clients that you know you can trust when you've not heard from them and they're just going through busy periods because you genuinely know what their lives are like because you ask them questions and you know about them. <laughs> um, you know their, their patterns and their trends and their behaviours and you know the difference between them being quiet and suffering and them being quiet and smashing it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the thing. It's it's again how they use the coaching aspect as well off the back of it. It's like they use it as something that they they know they might need at some point. Mm. But it's okay if they're not using it all the time. Which I think people get wrong about coaching sometimes as well. It's like they think yeah. that unless you're using all of the aspects of it, what the fuck's the point of paying it? And it's like, I know, I know from experience, like paying for coaches that I've had, sometimes they've saved me a lot of fucking grief and 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 just sheer difficulty through one question I've asked. And that's what our clients or some of our clients sometimes see it as as well, especially the ones that have progressed on because they do see us grow so much. And then they're like, well, I know that they've got me fucking covered. I've grown and I'm in a better place and I'm doing this, but there's always risk around the corner. And that's why like, there's so many clients that have came back to me that I used to work with in the gym floor years ago when I was maybe a little bit, probably before before actually working with you when I was a bit more like physique based and stuff because they're like, 
this is huge change we've seen in him. Like the way he speaks, the way he presents himself, like the confidence, the clarity. And that's what I, I know that's what I pay for with my coaches. And that's what a lot of our clients pay for as well. And sometimes I've asked myself, working with some people, I've actually thought to myself, like, if this person is not going further, why are they still here? And then they have communicated, like, you might not realise it, but you've helped me so much with all of these things. Like, that would be in the back of my mind. It's normal to think that way. I wouldn't say that to them. Mm -hmm. But when they've maybe came to, like, a live event and they've been like, I can't tell you guys how much you've saved me on so many occasions and I probably not thank you for it. And that's what we want to be able to do it's not just like we're so fucking results driven it's let's build those foundations for as long as we need to because once they're in place you're going to be fucking smashing it and as you said sometimes you just can't put a time frame on that yeah absolutely because it's for that person to decide where they're extracting value in your program it's not for you and i watch a lot of coaches get trapped in shiny objects in them where they think that, oh, I don't need to deepen the relationship with my clients. I just need to spend six grand building out my lab. And it's like, actually, really, that's not the issue. Like, that people aren't telling you they're leaving because there's not enough educational content. Like, they're telling you they're leaving maybe, like, for financial reasons, which a lot of the time is true. Um, but ultimately, they're not finding value. And instead of asking them, where would you find more value? You make the assumption on what they mean by value, and you add in another shiny object. And actually what people value is to be safe, heard, understood. So focus on connection, focus on relationships, focus on the community aspect, focus on helping them to feel like a normal, thriving, effective human being. First and foremost, give them a space to just be, right? Anything that exists on top of that is great. But ultimately, there's so much focus on doing everything else except the dirty work because it is the dirty work. Like, it's not easy to open WhatsApp in the morning and have 90 messages, right? It's not an easy thing to do. But the reality is that that's 90 people that want to speak to us. Like, that's all of those people who actually have woken up and decided to take time out their day to communicate with us about themselves, their life, their journey. Like, that's a fucking privilege. Like, a major privilege that people trust us enough. They've trusted their money, their investment, their time, their their mentality, their, their view of themselves and us to get them where they want to go. And I feel like people really people really disconnect themselves from that sometimes. And I don't think it's deliberate. I think that a lot of coaches do search for that. They search for that fulfillment in what in what they get people. But like you're not going to love what you do every single hour of the day. There are going to be some days where you're fucking shattered, right? And you're like, I can't, I can't do this for another day. Like, but I think, I, I think that I said this to you before. I'm, I'm always in service to the, to the people. I'm always in service to our clients, my own clients, the clients of the coaches that I work with. Like, ultimately. It's for those people who, like me, have navigated this industry through a sea of red flags, trying to find the right place. Like, I feel a real duty to be able to prove them right, to say this is the right place and you will get what you came here for and then even more. And if that means just chatting to you about your teary teenager who's doing your head in, then absolutely I'm going to sit and chat to you about that. Like, of course I am. Because you've taken the time to decide that I'm the per I'm the right person for you to speak to you about that. Like, 
I, I just see that as such a fortunate place to be that we make people feel so safe that they can do that. Oh, 100%. Like, they, they, they communicate to us a lot of what they don't speak to anyone else about. Like, and that's part of the process. And I think that's what coaches have to realise. Like, that is part of the process. Like, learning what people like, learning what's going on in their life, learning about what they are willing to share with you. Instead of being like, oh, there's my fucking client text me. This is actual things that coaches have said to me. My clients just want to fucking text me and talk about themselves and their problems and their lives all the time. And I'm like, and and what's the fucking problem with that? Like, I got up every morning. This morning shift that I do, taking messages is like two hours long every morning to, to go through the messages from the night before. And the majority of it is people maybe sending in their, their daily accountability metrics. It's either people just talking about their lives, talking about a problem they've just went through at work, um, opening up and just talking about something that potentially is maybe a bit funny and like a bit, and just brings a bit of humour. Um, there's been some mornings I've opened my phone and been like, fuck, didn't expect that this morning. Uh, <laughs> didn't expect to see that body part at this time I, in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite gone to that, that stage yet. Open to others. Um, but yeah, it's, it's part of the process. Like it's part of the process of making people feel heard safe like understood it's it's something that a lot of people are lacking and again it just it, it surely it purely just comes down to to the wrong intentions and don't get me wrong I do know a lot of good coaches who maybe don't have the clients that they probably should in comparison to the ones that have the clients and probably shouldn't yeah but this all comes down as well to people's perspectives of like who they buy from yeah like you'll buy from someone that's more ripped. You'll buy from someone that's bigger. You'll buy for, from some girl with bigger glutes. You'll buy from some girl that gets loads of likes on Instagram. Like sometimes you actually realize that the best people to learn from are the fucking underdogs that don't look the best. And what I mean by that, they're maybe like not the best looking, they're in decent shape, but they are constantly practicing how they can get better. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. I'm just wondering, like, just um, before we round off, just so that we don't um, make ourselves out to be the fucking, the, the world's most perfect coaches and that everybody else is a bastard. Oh. It, when you reflect back on your journey from gym floor PT to where you are now, what what was your biggest red flag? Oh, about me? Uh-huh. Oh, me um, buying into bullshit myths that I didn't know were true and didn't actually know how to educate myself. Like I think what was I, the worst? What was the worst myth you told a client? See, the thing is, like, I don't, I can't remember the ones that stand out. Mostly, I think I've fucking totally like removed them from my brain. But I trained one of my best friends when I was younger. I think I've said this on the podcast before. I trained one of my best friends when I was younger. It must have been like initially when I first came into the industry, or maybe the the second year I was in the industry. And um, he actually sent me. I think it was last year or something. <laughs> he forwarded on. The email diet plan I sent him at the time, he'd obviously found it in his email somewhere. And I was reading through it and I thought it was just going to be like portion sizes, calories of food. So oh, I know you're going to say. And one of the bits said like avocado was in one of his meals. And then it was like avocado is really good for burning belly fat. Um, <laughs> I also had the myth before as well that um, that comes to mind. Like you're gonna keep on burning fat after high intense exercise for like uh, yeah. hours. Um fasted cardio, that was a great one. Fasted cardio, fasted cardio as well. I think that's because I went through that prep myself. Um yeah. I'm trying to think what else. It would definitely have been more. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to rattle my brain right now. Um oh, just general things like 
this movement is only purely for this part of your body. Like, yeah. for example, like lunges are just for your quads, but it's not. You can do lunges different ways to target your quads, your glutes, your hamstrings, so on and so forth. Like, just that general chat. Because the thing is, I didn't really actually have a clue how to build muscle. I'd just done it because I was like, protein, train hard as fuck all the time, and somehow I'd managed to do it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and realistically, I was just fucking telling people what I thought was right based upon my own experiences. And that's a red flag with coaches too. Like, you can't just preach from a place of experience you actually have to have the the knowledge and again the the what am i trying to say here you need like to the understanding it. of how the process of coaching yeah, works yeah, yeah the evidence of how it works that's yeah. what um which i now do and it's not just purely yeah. experience it's like from from working with people and learning how it should work working with like you and and learning how how coaches actually work and coach people through things yeah. a lot of the time like I'm not even too sure like if our clients might think this at times but like i fucking bum you up all the time i'm like if <laughs> you're, if you're, my, you're my big fucking cheerleader da <laughs> i'm like if there's anyone you want to listen to it's jane it's like, like i always say like I, i'm i'm not someone who's pure driven by ego i'm not going to stand here and say like i'm the best fucking coach in the world i'm not even a qualified coach per se i'm a personal trainer that has just developed myself to understand behaviors emotions like the intricacies of training and nutrition more um through doing like different qualifications different courses but you at the end of the day are a qualified coach you can get inside someone's head and take them on this journey that is something i'm not qualified to do and i can take parts of that but i think again sometimes people can can misconstrue that and not understand that as well and it's really important for any clients that are listening to basically know that jen's smarter than me <laughs> <laughs> well they knew that come on this, I, is, well, this is my podcast you're just my guest <laughs> <laughs> probably um i handle your paycheck so fucking right <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know it's funny that like you say that because i think it's one of the things that a lot of Health and fitness coaches underestimate the importance of learning how to actually coach people because it's no sexy, it's boring, it's not like it's great once you can do it, but it takes a lot of work and practice and patience and it's slow and it's hard, like it's transformational, but it, it's it's not easy, it's not just frameworks and questions, which is quite what I think a lot of them think that it is, um, I wish, <laughs> but I think that it's interesting what you were saying there about that last red flag, that was mine, like I thought that I had to have all of the knowledge to be able to coach someone, so I can remember like working in NHS and coaching like senior, senior leaders, and I was like, I don't have a fucking clue how to solve this problem. But I thought because I wasn't a qualified coach yet, like I was still going through the process. I was very much like, shit, I need to know all the answers. And like, I need, I need to have the fucking, I need to be able to give them advice. And I used to just spend all my time trying to solve their fucking problems. I had no understanding or context for their problems. But then I was putting myself under all this pressure to solve it. And I remember when I was doing my accreditation, you were my, um, you were my test dummy. And, and he came came with, came with the right time. <laughs> definitely, definitely. That was when Brain Twins were first established. Um, and I can remember being so fixated in the process. You remember I used to come with like my laptop and my notebook and my, my fucking my iPad and all my questions, all this equipment. It was the printouts for me. It's like you had the fucking printouts at the ready. I was like, Jesus Christ, this is a picture. 
honest to god like i had fucking i'd written out like the entire fucking the process and the structure and these are these type of questions and ask this then and listen for this and i was doing so much of that shit that i wasn't hearing a word you were saying <laughs> and <laughs> i remember going to my coach supervisor like because that's a hope you get supervisors like just for being an accredited coach you, you get supervised forever which is like the best bit yet and she was like your next coaching session you're taking nothing she was like I don't want you to plan it I don't want you to take any documentation no laptop nothing she was like I want you to sit coaching client you can take notes but words she because I was writing fucking screeds and screed I was writing down everything you were saying and she was like you're only allowed to make like one word as a point of reference and that's it and that was when I started to learn how to coach because I didn't have the safety of the infrastructure and the process and all of that stuff. I just had to connect human to human and trust my instinct. Yeah. And like now, like my plan for a coaching session is I read the notes from the last time and I think through the conversation and then I go straight into the call and I maybe write like three words <laughs> <laughs> because it's only as a jog for my memory in that moment, in that conversation, like you would never be able to read my coaching notes and understand any of the conversation that's happened because I'm so in it. Yeah. I'll write notes after, but in the moment, I'm so present, I'm so there, I'm with the person, whereas before, I was fucking, I was bodied in the process. <laughs> you probably need to be fair, like, I get fucking benefit for that session, even when you were writing <laughs> and you had all your equipment and you're a fucking big dot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nothing's changed there. <laughs> no, it's not. I did think, um, I did think at the time, like, we were both going through such a big transitional change at the time. There was like a lot of uncertainty. There was like a lot of fear. And it was definitely, um, it was definitely probably a, a pinnacle in our like journey to where we are now. And that was only, that wasn't even three years ago yet. No. Which is mental to look back on. It was like the end of 2020. It was like September. Mm -hmm. Was it that late on? Yeah. Yeah, it would have been maybe like August, August. It was no, you know, it was the first time we came out of um, lockdown. Because remember, we were in lockdown for like, was it 16 weeks or 21 weeks? Yeah, so it must have been like July or something, maybe. I think it was July, because remember, we went to Ronzo and Hamilton. We uh -huh. did, or we would go to Starbucks, because Starbucks was hoaching, remember, because you were like sat in it again, so we could never get a seat. Aye, which is crazy to think how much has happened in fucking not even three years. I know, madness. Let's see what the next three has in store. I know. Hopefully this podcast will still be running. <laughs> <laughs> Weekly. Episode 4,000. <laughs> I know. And by the way, guys, we just want to thank you because we are nearly at 1,000 downloads already, which is, to be Mad. quite fair, like a little bit fucking mental. Um, we know that a lot of you guys are our clients that listen to this, so big <laughs> shout out to you lot. You'd, you'd think that you fucking, you heard enough of us. <laughs> I know, I know. You know, between Instagram, between our private podcast, within the group. Um, so anyone that's on the public one that wants to hear more from us, you're just going to have to sign up so you get the, the private one and get even Absolutely. more juicy, juicy info. Um, but thank you so much for continuously downloading, listening, sharing. It really does mean the world. And hopefully this stuff can can reach as many people as it needs to help and that people can take value away from it. So we'll see you next time, guys. Have a good week, team. See ya.